We had a really great Christmas December here at New Life Church. I love the series that we did. Uh, we spoke about the Grinch that stole Christmas. And Ryan started off speaking about how we will get persecuted for our faith. But that mustn't be, that mustn't steal our joy. We mustn't lose our joy in that because that is going to happen. We've also seen a few weeks ago, I shared on family strife and how family strife can actually steal also our Christmas season. And I must say, I'm happy to report that I shared that, you know, I was going to my sister and, uh, and my mom and we're all going to be together for Christmas together. And we did that. And I've learned one thing and I want to share this quickly off the bat that sometimes I think the children don't care about the grown-up problems because they were playing so loudly and proudly and on playstations and whatever. They didn't care about us and our problems and so forth. So it was really a great Christmas for us also. And that is all because of what God has done in, in, in our family. Then um, we also saw Jessica speak about loneliness. An amazing sermon. Never thought about this. The, 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 the tagline of that is that for us to, to have a cure for loneliness is to become alone in Christ, to spend time alone with Jesus. And that has been a remarkable uh, a point for me in remembering that. Then Ryan spoke about worry on Christmas Day, and he was speaking the truth. The staff here were worried about the electricity going out. And I must say, I'm trying really hard not to worry, but at 4 o'clock this morning, I looked at my phone to make sure there was no power outages at church because I don't know what we would have done. But in any case, Ryan spoke about that. And yes, he also said that sometimes he gives away the sermons that he doesn't feel like he's tested on. I want to say off the bat, I'm not, test, I'm not being tested on what I'm preaching today. So everything is good in that sense. And then today I want to speak about a specific topic, still based on Christmas, but you'll understand why I still use the story of Christmas today. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been labeled or labeled myself an overthinker. Any overthinkers in the room? You th wow. You're my people. You overthink. We overthink about everything. We overthink about situations. We overthink relationships. We overthink the news. We overthink certain things. We always think it's the end of the world. Nothing is going to change. I mean, we're those type of people when, when your boss calls you into an office, you're already having the fight in your head because you're overthinking that. Am I right? Is that my people? Great. And I was fortunate enough in the middle of this year, Zach Ulisi came to South Africa and he did the seven primal questions with me. And one of the things or a few things came out, but one of the things that came out quite a bit is that I'm a control freak. I like to have control of the situation. Let me give you an example of that, and then you can see if you're still with me. So we, we have a Jojo tank for the water here at New Life Church, all right? And I have very capable people around me that can help me solve some of these issues. So when the water goes off from the municipality side, and for those who stay around here, you know it's been quite a bit the last couple of days. Look at all the sad faces. You're in church, guys. You're in the right place. That I can go and ask Russell, Russell, just go swap over the system for me so that at least we have water. Now, I'm at home when I send this message. Guess what I do an hour later? And my wife doesn't like this. I will climb in my car and go check the valve. Even though Russell is so good at doing it, I don't have to worry. We have a new inverter room here at the, at the, at the church. All right. And last week, our air conditioning system didn't work. Okay, so I was like, Kamu, 
I'm out, buddy. I have to do the sermon prep. Here's the keys. Will you sort it out with me, with the, with the person? And yes, of course he did. But on my phone, I can see, see when we alarm the alarms yet, and it hasn't been armed. And I'm like, oh, no, there's trouble. So what do I do? I overthink the worst has happened. We're not going to have air cones. We're going to have to open the doors, you know. And then at the end of the day, Kamu and the person that does our solar system has done a stellar job. We have air cones today. Thank goodness. We have air cones today. Anybody do it? Is anybody a control freak like that? Come on, be honest. I'm like that. Or word like that. Thank you. You're in the right place. Great stuff. You see, I am a person that doubts a lot. And maybe that's you today. You doubt yourself. Maybe you are doubting the future. Maybe you are doubting what's going to happen in 2024. Maybe you're doubting if your health is going to get better. Maybe your job perspectives are going to get better. Maybe you are doubting relationships. Maybe you're doubting that you're never going to get married. Maybe you're never going to be financially secure. Maybe you're doubting even your faith. We live in a world currently where everything is questioned in the Bible. We see Balaam's talking donkey being questioned. We know us ark, uh, the world being created in seven days. All these things are getting to, into question so much so that even Christians are starting to doubt their faith. You know, we've also seen our fair share of Christian scandals, if I can call it that. We saw what happened to Hillsong Church, how they were split up because of an accusation, even though this senior and lead pastor was acquitted from those accusations. We saw documentaries on Disney Channel where Carl Lenz was speaking about Hillsong Church. And even Christians were starting to doubt the local body of the church. But I think over Christmas time, we see a lot of questions or doubts sometimes come up around the virgin birth. The angel that appeared to Mary. The Bethlehem star guiding the three wise men to Jesus. But also, I think for some of us, we had a great year. 2023 was a good year. Some of us got married. We had children. We grew in our faith. You know, we were just on a new level with God. But also, a lot of us during this year doubted our faith. We were not sure about our faith. We were not sure what we believe in. We were not sure if Jesus and everything is real. Why, why are we still trying? And the reason why that sometimes happens it's because when something traumatic happens in our life or our prayers do not get answered, we tend to question. I've heard this saying a lot in my life where people say, I'm praying, Louis, but it's just hitting the ceiling. Ever said that before? I'm reading my Bible every day, but nothing is changing. I'm coming to church, but I'm leaving empty because I'm doubting my faith. And then what happens is this doubt steals our spiritual journey. It steals our Christmas, if I can call it that. And the reason I want to use Christmas is because there's a story about a guy that also doubted when an angel appeared to him. And we don't hear too much about him in the Christmas story. Fair enough, it's all about Jesus. But there was a man called Zechariah. Now, Zechariah in the Old Testament and this Zechariah are two different people. They're not the same. I, I, I double-checked that. Zach, you must understand between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was about a period of... Uh, I'll go off if you want me to. That's okay. I am speaking the truth. Um, there was a period between 300 and 400 years between the Old and the New Testament. So this Zechariah was uh, married to a lady called Elizabeth. And what was happening to Zechariah, first of all, you need to understand him and Elizabeth, they were actually 
a righteous people. They, he was a Jewish priest and they were all devout and they were hearing to all the commandments and the regulations of that time. Remember, Jesus still didn't come to earth at that stage. Um, they were still all under Jewish customs and laws, but they followed each and every one. However, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And I love how the Bible put it. They said they were both well, well advanced in their years. So nobody's old here today. You're just well advanced in your years. Can I just yeah, give yourself a round of applause? There we go. Let me put it in another way. It makes me feel better. You get beginner, inter intermediate, expert, and then advanced. That's the level you are at today. Yeah, I'm here to give you hope, people. I'm here to give you hope. So they couldn't uh, have children. And what Zachariah's job was, he did priestly duties. So he did the offering on behalf of the people. Um, you know, he was in, the, in the, the priestly division and all these type of things. And he was always in the temple in Jerusalem. And then before the angel appeared to Mary, the same angel appeared to him. And we read the story in Luke 1, verse 12 to 20. It says this, When Zechariah saw him, this angel, he was startled and overcome with fear. You need to understand, angels is not, I don't think we must put angels in our mind from on how it should look. Because nobody was happy to see an angel in the beginning. Mary was full of fear. Now we see also Zechariah full of fear. And then the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Now, we don't know exactly what prayer he was praying. Bible scholars are saying it could be one or two things. One, he was praying for his son. Or two, he was praying for the Messiah to come. And he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's room. He will turn many of sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. The job was this, to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. So he was going to go in front of Jesus Christ. Now, a typical Christian <laughs> and full-time ministry, Zechariah was like, how can I know this? So he's already doubting. The first thing he does, he doubts. And he says, and Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the days of these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which would be fulfilled in the proper time. Years ago, full-time ministry. That's what he does. He's always in the temple. I'm not even always at church. He was always in the temple. And here comes the supernatural being, an angel saying, Hey, I am going to perform a miracle in your life that you've been praying about. And what's the first thing he do? How do I know that? What do we do when we start doubting our faith? Let's just be honest. Let's just introspect quickly. What do we do when we doubt our faith? The first question is, what signs are there? What do I do? How do I know about this? He says this in verse 18. It just reminds me, he says this, for how can I know this? Here comes the angel. Great news, joyous news, comes to earth. 
expecting, hey, guess what? One of your prayers are being answered. I, I want to use this, the disappointment I think the angel felt. And the only way I can explain it is like this. You know, parents, when you make food for your children and you make them your favorite food and you make it nice and you prepare it nice and you taste it and it's the best way you've made it and you present that food to your children and they say, I am not hungry. Okay, so that's the feeling I'm going after. Thank you very much. That's how the angel felt. You see, he doubted immediately, but I want to say this. His doubt wasn't rooted in a lack of faith in God's power. He wasn't having a lack of faith knowing that God is real. What the problem was is that he had an understanding also of the world's limitations. Can I say this? He didn't have a problem with the lack. He didn't have a lack of faith of God's power, the supernatural power, but he had an understanding of how the world can limit us. You see, he was looking for assurance. And for us, it's very much the same way. When we struggle with doubt like Zechariah, we, when we have impossible situations as humans, we start to doubt. When you've given, been given cancer as a sickness, when you've lost your job, when a relationship doesn't get mended, when family members split apart, when someone we love pass away, See, what happens is we start to doubt our faith because, not because we know God is great. It's because we think of the world's limitations. And what we do is we put God in a box. And we say, we know God can operate here, but we're not so sure about what happens outside the box. You see, what we do with God is, is what, what we do with toys. I'm going to use this as the best example. You know, when you buy a toy, a Barbie doll, or an, I've got a G.I. Joe. I don't know if anybody knows what that is anymore. It's a little army figurine, got little legs and stuff. When you buy that toy in the box, you, it only has certain operations. It can only do certain things. And outside of that, it cannot do anything else. And we do the same with God. We put God in a box. And when we take God out of the box, we only expect Him to do certain things. Even though we know He's the God of the miraculous. Parting the sea. The virgin birth. The talking donkey. Jesus' ministry of all the, all the people He's healed. And when we struggle with faith... We feel that the timing is unclear and we want an answer. We want the assurance. And Zachariah got his insurance immediately because ladies, he had to be quiet for nine months. He couldn't speak. Can you imagine those who had children before if your husband couldn't speak for nine months? How glorious that would be for you. No complaints, no worries, no stress. He had to write on a writing tablet. You could look at it if you wanted to. You, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't talk back. Honey, I need something from the garage. N nothing. Nothing. And that's what has happened. He got this sign. But in our era, instead of all the technology, all the things that's happening and so forth, we also want to know that our faith is not in vain. We want to have an answer. And if we don't get it in a week or two or three or four, the doubt starts creeping in. And then we were like, why am I doing this faith thing? Because we think God lives for us, but we live for him. And what he does is that the Gabriel, the angel wasn't upset here. He wasn't like, I'm going to go like, you know what? Fine. You're not good enough. I'm going to go to someone else. No, he said, you know what? You have doubt. I'm going to give you a sign. But at the end of that sign is going to be a promise that you will not, a promise that will be fulfilled and it will turn into a prophecy by the birth of John and then 
following Jesus Christ. We all know Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, but the proof of what is not seen. That makes no sense to us. We all quote this verse. We make stickers out of it. But I mean, it says it's the evidence, the proof of things that we, we don't see. How do you have proof of things that you don't see? And I've noticed that in Christianity, sometimes the things we see or believe is not tangible. You cannot touch it. You cannot see how a cancer person gets healed inside, but they get healed. You don't see how the relationship gets restored. I don't know what happened between my, my what happened to my sister and her family for 13, 14 years, but the relationship got restored. You see, sometimes we don't see the signs. It's not tangible. And for me, it's not the evidence that we need to worry about. It's the assurance that we need to look at. We need to be assured that God still has a plan and a purpose, even though we doubt. The assurance that God created the world. The insurance that Jesus Christ is with us. The insurance that the Holy Spirit is still walking and is alive today and is with us today. That's the assurance. You will not see the, well, not, I won't say you will not see, but most of us will not see a physical Holy Spirit. We won't see a physical angel. We don't even know if we will see an angel. But the assurance that the Holy Spirit is there, the assurance that angels are still there, we can testify. Many of us can testify to that. But when doubt comes, we tend to like question everything because now we want evidence, not the assurance. So what happens? What happens in the story? Well, Elizabeth fell pregnant and for nine months had a quiet husband. Glorious time, best pregnancy ever. And then... Nine months, she had to push the baby. Now, can you imagine this scenario? I, I, I have to share this, but I just, I, I, it's not in the Bible, but I, I think this has happened. You know when your husband shouts, push, push, and you squeeze your husband's hand? Can you imagine, can you imagine Zachariah doing it? <laughs> I'm just thinking this. And as soon as the baby was delivered, please don't make a meme out of that. I just think that, yeah, okay. Back to the story. But there the baby gets delivered. And we read this in Luke 1, verse 57 to 64. And this is the beautiful part. And this is where I'm going to base my, my practicality of the message today. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zachariah after his father but his mother responded no he will be called john then they said to her none of your relatives have that name so they mentioned this to the father to find out what he wanted him to be called he asked for a writing tablet and wrote and they were all amazed listen to this immediately not a second not a minute not a day immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and what did he do he became began to speak and he did what Praising God. And then this prophecy, Luke 1, verse 76. And you, my child, can you imagine this, saying this to your son? And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. In Luke 1, verse 76. Doubt was changed into joy, was changed into a prophecy. New Life Church, the devil wants to use doubt to destroy us. But Jesus wants to use doubt to joy, to a testimony. And when we have the seasons of doubt, we must know that there's a testimony coming. 
Because here we see with Zechariah, there was a prophecy and that prophecy was fulfilled. But if I look at what we need to do and if I look at this story, there's a few practical steps that we can take from Zechariah and Elizabeth's story. And the first one is this. We need to understand the purpose of silence. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to be speak. It means there's an appropriate time for everything. But sometimes we need to be silent. So here's my first practical question for you. How's your journaling and your Bible studying going? How, how does it look, your Bible study? Is it totally quiet in the house? Or do you have the dishwasher and the cell phones and everything else playing around you? Now, the best quiet time for me in my house is when my wife and kids are off to school at like half past six. And I have that half an hour, 40 minutes to do my quiet time. You know what's the trickiest thing of being a quiet time? Doing nothing but only be quiet. When last we are quiet in front of God for five minutes? If I end the sermon now and there's about half an hour left, can you be still for half an hour before fidgeting, before walking out and going to wherever you go for the rest of the day? How long? What's the last time that you were quiet? Especially when you're doubtful because the more you doubt, the more you must press in to your quiet time. Reading your Bible, writing verses down, journaling. You know, I'm an iPhone fan. And there's a cool new thing feature that I put onto the iPhone. And probably Android has it. And I know if Ryan was here, he would have told me, yes, I figured this out years ago and we're behind. But there's this journal app. So what happens every night, it reminds me to journal something. And what it does is it takes all the photos I've taken on my phone, all the places I've been to, um, all the things that I did, activity, and it puts it into one block. And it asks me to write about it. So Christmas Day when I exercise, when I'm at work, when I'm at a coffee shop, it's actually a great journal thing to do. And what you can do with that journal in that quiet time is that you can see what you're asking God. You can see what the situation is. You can read about it and actually you can reflect back into it. You can reflect deeper into the verses. You can seek verses for your journal. And what happens is when you do that, it brings me to my second point. It will remind you of God's past faithfulness it will remind you of God's past faithfulness because when you look back you see the prayers answered you see we're a very forgetful nation not because we're advanced in our years but we forget things quickly we forget that God has given us a job we forgot that God has given us health we, we forget that like Zachariah that when the fulfillment of God's promise for the birth of his son that there was joy and praise we forget to do that you know, I remember when I was trying to sync my devices together, there was a, a note in 2020 that came out. And it was a verse that I was journaling. I was saying to God, God, COVID is real. COVID has been really intense. And I don't want to catch COVID because I am an asthmatic and I'm visiting people. and I'm scared to go and visit people. Lord, if it's your way, please don't let me get COVID. That was the verse or the thing that I was praying over 2020. Guys, I was afraid. I mean, you think your pastor is like that? Yes, God is with him. God, I was afraid. I was a little scary mew mew cat. But now looking back, I saw that prayer answered. And it was only a few weeks ago when I synced my phone, this note came up on my notes app where I, as far as I'm aware, I never tested for COVID and I never tested positive for COVID. 
And that was all God's glory because of a prayer. You see, sometimes we forget the faithfulness that God has given us. We forget that God has given you children, even though sometimes they become teenagers. I know the feeling. Got two of them. Pray for me. Now they're looking at me weird. We forget sometimes that God has given us a husband or a wife or a job or health. And if I look at the book of Psalms, it's all about remembering God's past faithfulness. And I want you to do this. I want you to start a journal. Don't just read the Bible and read a verse. Guys, if there's one thing, I'm not a big fan. And please, if this is you, that's great for you. But I'm not a big fan doing Genesis on January the 1st and Revelation on December the 31st. Because you're not going to remember what's important. I would suggest start the Psalms. Because the Psalms is all about gratitude and wisdom and Proverbs and so forth. It's all about that. If you're going to start a Genesis 1 verse 1, wait till you get to Leviticus and all the laws. Ladies, you're in trouble. I'm just saying, men... If you don't have a beard yet today, you're in trouble. I'm just saying that, all right? So I want to say, rather spend time and write down what you felt about the verse. Write down your prayer request, but also write down your answered prayers. And if you're technology-driven like me, you have something called hashtags or tags. I tag, answered prayer, question prayer, life prayer, work prayer. And if you click on the tag, it shows you all your prayers and the verses. If you don't know how to do it, I'll make you a TikTok video. But do something so that you can remember God's past faithfulness. When we do that, it will make it easier for us. But this is the most difficult thing for me to do is that we will have obedience in doubt. We need to be obedient in the doubt. Even though Zechariah followed through with the angel's commands, sometimes to, to continue in obedience is a really difficult thing to do. Your career, the Lord is calling you to do something else. You're moaning about your workplace. People have spoken life into you to find another job. And God is moving you. You know God is moving you. You know for a fact God is giving you the signs that he's moving you. But you're too scared to take that step of faith to move over. You know, I came from a corporate structure. I did IT for those who do not know. I came from a corporate structure. There were 13 checks, bonuses, uh, 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 performance bonuses. Sometimes I got like a little overtime because I worked over the normal hours in the midnight hours. It was so structured. There was medical aid, the school fees were cheaper, everything. And then I came here. And the only assurance I have is that God is with me. All right, the only assurance we have in ministry is because of your great, great graciousness and understanding about giving. So what did I do? I had to, like when, I will never forget that Cedric found me on the sports field and said, do you want to come here? And I had to take a step of faith. Well, more my wife pushed me into the step of faith. Because she said, I must go. See, wisdom of a woman is insane. You need to be obedient in doubt. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you're struggling to forgive. Maybe you're saying, God, I want this family restored, but I want them to come for forgiveness. Maybe God is telling you, hey, I want you to be obedient to who you are in Christ and go forgive that person first and restore the relationship. Maybe you are struggling to forgive a past issue or a past hurt. I'm not saying forget about it. I don't believe in forgive and forget. What I'm saying is forgive and learn from those past mistakes and have healthy boundaries. But maybe God is calling you to forgiveness. Maybe God is saying to you, hey, you need to forgive that person. And maybe you're feeling like I'm doubting my faith because I'm asking God to restore the family. But God is waiting for you to restore the family. God is waiting for you to do the forgiveness. You know, me and my wife, when we got married, we, well, she wanted children like almost right away. And I wanted to wait 20 years, guess who won? And we couldn't fail pregnant. And we were not well advanced in our years, all right? We couldn't fall pregnant. We were struggling 
to a point where I doubted my faith. I was working, working here, not at church itself, at the school yet. And I was doubting my faith and I stopped praying, but my wife never stopped praying. Praying. She was praying and praying and praying and praying the whole time. I didn't know about it. Um, I was giving up. It's like, oh, we're not going to have children. And then one day, I will never forget this. I think Cheryl Nelson phoned my, phoned my wife and said, guess what? There's a baby girl at the, at the hospital. Go and check it out. So my wife comes running into the boardroom by the church, the, the school meeting or whatever, and says, we have to go. And then we saw the most beautiful little girl called Zoe Lee. Like God created Zoe Lee for us, 100%. I was so prepared, I bought zero to three months for a prem baby. That's how prepared I was. And God said to me at that, that I will never forget this, that God has sent us Zoe Lee because God wanted us to have Zoe Lee. And six months later, Michelle fell pregnant. So now you need to understand that the story about this is, behind this is that God, in, even in my doubt, my wife was still praying. Even in a doubt of your faith, something is not happening. God has called you to do something, to be obedient in something. And when you're obedient in that, God will send your heart's content. So now you need to understand having two babies six months apart for us. Marriage test, faith test, everything gets tested. And in five years after that, Carter somehow also appeared. And now we are a family of five people and I wouldn't want it any other way. But we have to have obedience in doubt. Maybe you're struggling with your church discipline, if I can call it that. Reading your Bible, praying. Maybe you stopped. Maybe you stopped praying. Maybe you stopped that Bible reading. Maybe you stopped coming to church altogether if you're online today. Maybe you're just coming because a family member has forced you to come to this church today. Maybe you just, you've given up. I want to tell you today, I've seen it in my own life, and that's a testimony to us. That if we're obedient, if we understand the silent, to be silent in front of God, if we understand to look back and remember how he was come through for us today, and when we are obedient, even in that doubt, that God will come through for us. But not always the way we want it. Not always the way we think we want it. God knows better than us. I want you to still commit yourself to these practices. Just keep on praying. I've given up. My wife hasn't. And she's the fruit of what happens when you don't give up prayer. And over time, the, the, these disciplines will strengthen you and make you stronger and provide you guidance into your relationship. Maybe you're facing a fear today. I know some of you have been called to lead a circle. Some of you have been called to lead at work. Some of you have been so intently bothered by the Holy Spirit every morning when you drive to work to pray with your work people, but you're too scared to get it out of your mouth to say, before we start this meeting, can we open in prayer? That's what we do. But I want to tell you, God is saying something here that you need to understand. And I love this. It says this in Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9. For my thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And your ways are not my ways. This is a declaration, guys. This is the Lord's declaration. For heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Rather be in correctness with the Holy Spirit than men. We are rather correct with men than the Holy Spirit. And maybe you need to utter those words, and you will be surprised what God does.
I was doubtful how many people will have this morning in the services because we were supposed to have an evening service. But I was walking in here with almost tears in my eyes. And I tell Joshua, Joshua, look at this. We had to open up the minor hall for the service today. It shows you just don't, your doubt. And this is God. This is just God. But my doubts mustn't become God's promise. God's promise is ways everything else is much higher than mine. Then also we need support. Zachariah wasn't alone. I mean, he had Elizabeth and eventually there was a community of witness. So there was a, a bunch of people around him. You need support. You cannot do life alone. You cannot go through things alone. You need to have someone where you can bounce off certain things, especially when you doubt your faith. To say, hey, I'm struggling with belief. What do I do? And you have that confidence in that person. Let, let me use an example. And this person gave me full permission to use the story. A couple of weeks ago, I, I came out of the gym. And what, what I was doing is I was reading through my WhatsApps and I got this WhatsApp that somebody was contemplating to commit suicide, all right? And I was about half an hour, 40 minutes when I read the message. So what do I do? Try to phone the person. Cannot get a hold of the person. Then I found the, the first person, I, family member that I could get a hold of, found that family person and said, well, I'm not sure. We'll go and look. Found another person. They found another person. No, the person is not there. Phone me back, say, hey, they cannot find the person. Now we want it because we don't know what they're doing. We're not sure if, if, she's, if this person is committing the act already. What do we do? And then I get two minutes later a phone call from the circle leader. Hey, that person is on her way to us. Um, we know what's going on. We're going to invite this person for a meal. We're going to sit down with this person and talk with this person. That person is alive today. They didn't commit suicide. But at that moment, that person didn't feel to call a pastor or anybody else. They called the circle leader. That's the strength and the power of community. That's when you have support bases around you. And guys, nobody's going to support you unless you take the first step of support. You need to walk. You need to take that first step. You need to take that step in faith. And then trust that God will send the right people around you today. And that makes the next step so difficult for us. After we, we come out of this issue. Because we're going to come out of this. Zachariah came out of this. We're going to come out of doubt. Is that we need to become a living testimony. You know, you need to shout it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the young people here. Apparently I'm a millennial. Believe it or not, 81 is still a millennial. You need to shout it out. On Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on WhatsApp status, on WhatsApp. You need to spam your parents, your in-laws, everybody that doesn't believe, anybody to tell you what God has done for you. You need to shout, you know what? I was sick, but now I am healed. And you need to shout it loud. You say, you know what? I was looking for a job. God gave me a job. And you need to shout it out loud. I was doubting in my faith that we will fall pregnant. I will shout it out loud. Back then, you, have you reached your Facebook statuses of 10 years ago? Have you read them? You're like, what was I thinking? And I now pretty much know about her birthday and so forth and Christmas and that we can see how Zoe Lee and Brooklyn and Carter has grown up and we will blast it out to the world. Happy birthday. We will blast out when they do well at something. We will blast out when they become prefects. I will blast out everything. I don't care because God's goodness is in my children and in my family also. You need to blast it out. You need to put that bottle. It's so easy. You version. 
click the verse, share the image on Facebook, three seconds, and declare that. You need to speak to people. You need to love on people. And even though they won't agree with you, that's okay. Jesus couldn't perform miracles in his hometown because they just thought he was a carpenter's son. But I can preach here till next Christmas. Okay, wait, Christmas is done. Next year, this time. Keep on forgetting. It's only 362 days away. Um, I can preach until the new year. But my sermon that I prepared, what the Holy Spirit has given me to give to you guys, I firmly believe your testimony is stronger than any sermon preached. Why? Because you know that's the truth. And that truth has set you free. And that freeness can give other people joy into other people's testimony. But it starts with us. You know, we're all good at sending out December, December photos on holiday. We're all good at saying Merry Christmas on Facebook. Happy Easter. But what do we do after that? Do we thank God in every aspect of our life? James 1 verse 22, the Amplified Version puts it. James, here we go. and talk all yes, James now. But prove <laughs> yourselves, doers of the word, effective, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize this meaning, deluding yourselves. Remember that word deluding yourself by unsound reasoning and contrary to the truth. That word the deluding is a derivative of deceiving. And the original Greek word is paralogizomai. I practiced it. Paralogizomai. It means to cheat yourself or deceive yourself by false reasoning. Here's the false reasoning. Sitting here in church doesn't make you doers of the word. Here comes the James. Going out and live your faith day by day makes you doers of the word. You listening to my sermon, it's great. I love it. I know God is doing a work in you guys. I love that the Holy Spirit can use me as a vessel. But until you get off that beautiful gray seat that is very cushioned and walk out there and share it with those who are lost, you are not doers of the word. So when you are out, I'm speaking to those who are out of doubt. When your season of doubt is over, you must become like a Zachariah. You cannot be mute about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be actively speaking it, praising God. So that means in your season of lack, yes, we internalize, we, we, we be quiet, we reach for help, we remember what God has done for us, we do the obedience in Christ. But when you're out of that, you worship God for what He has done and you proclaim it over and over and over and over and over. Because that's what Zechariah did. And out of that joy came a prophecy that Jesus was born and John the Baptist went ahead of Him. My last point, and this is a difficult one for me, myself, and I, is be patient in the process. I would never survive in Japan or China or any of those places because they have a custom of giving a few seconds pause before they talk. Ask my wife and my children. They're not even finishing their sentence and I'm already in it. Did you see this great, did you see my great movie that I've, you get what I'm saying? I cannot be, patience is not, a, it's a thing that God is working on with me. I think there's water issues in the city and all those things is giving me a lot of patience and that. But Zachariah had to wait nine months before he could speak again. He had to be calm for nine months. New Life Church, will your faith still be as strong as it is now if God was silent for nine months? 
if a prayer wasn't answered in nine months. Because Zechariah knew that there was a promise coming. And that promise came. And we see the promise. I want to tell you this out. When, you, when you doubt, when you season, you will see the signs. You will see you will walk out of doubt. You will see that God is coming through for you. You will see God will answer the prayer the way that you didn't expect, the way you wanted it or the way you saw it or the way you see fit. But I have learned that God's ways is much better than my ways. So I'd rather be at peace with his ways instead of the worry about my ways. You know, 2 Peter 3 verse 8 to 9 is a great encouragement for us all. It says this. It says, dear friends. I love this. It says, dear friends. It says, don't overlook this one fact. This one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay, delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Can you see, just keep the verse on there for me. Can you see this? God will keep his promise. He will not delay the promises he has for you. But you need to understand it's not going to happen in your timing. The way you understand a delay. It's going to happen in his perfect timing. And here Peter is just saying one fact. Just remember one fact. One fact. That God will answer your prayers. God will move the doubt away from you. He does not delay his promise. But it's not in our understanding. It is in his understanding. You know... As we were uh, praising and worshiping before Matoka got on the stage, um, I have a confession to make. It's like, I know where the verses are in the Bible, but I know, I know what the verse says in the Bible, but I don't know where to find them all the time. So I was on my phone googling quickly the verse, the few, few key words, and I found it. Thank you, technology. And there's a, a verse in Romans 15, um, verse 13, that I really want to share with you. And I really want you to make that the hope of your life, the hope for 2024. I really want you to take 2023 and leave doubt at the door as much as you can and allow God to do the rest. I want you to walk in 2024 more confident in his love, more confident in your salvation, more confident in your growth, more confident in your health, more confident in your finances, more confident in your relationships. And this verse just reminds me of this. This is in Romans 15 verse 13 and it won't be on the screens because like I said, I was Googling it right before we start. It says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My hope and my joy is that you won't find more doubt, but more Jesus. My hope and prayer is that you will find time to be silent. My hope is that you will find time to remember what God has done for you in the past and sharing that. My hope is that you will act in obedience when it like, seems like God is not answering prayer or anything else. My hope is that you will put people around you that you can trust and confidence that even when life hits you the worst, you have somebody you can phone and go to and speak to. My hope is that you will be patient. I really, I'm not a big fan of 2023 going into 2024 type of thing. You're still alive. For me, tomorrow is just a, another day. For me, it's just another day. And I, for those who do that, the 2023, 2024 thing, that's great. You do that. But I'm not a fan of new resolutions or that. Because if you don't do it 
If you do it now, it's great. But can you do it on the 15th of March? Can you do it on the 22nd of February? Can you do it on the 13th of September? Whatever the case should be. Because that's where God's heart's intention is for you. So I want to ask you, make a change today. Start with something small today. And when in doubt, reach out. Spend time with God. Be patient and act in obedience. Because at the end, your your, 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 your doubt will turn into joy, will turn into a testimony that will help other people also. Lord, I thank you that we can come together and just spend time with you today. Lord, I thank you that you have such a way of reminding us of what you want for us in our lives. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you that you are always in control, no matter the circumstances. Lord, I, I thank you if we reflect back at 2023, Lord, that we will reflect on the highs and not only on the lows. Lord, that we will be a reflection of your hand, your grace that was upon us, no matter the circumstances that we faced. Lord, I pray that we will continue to seek you even if we doubt. I pray that we will become silent and listen to your whisper and not to the storm and the, and the loudness of social media and the world. And so I pray today that we will just come and be quiet before you. Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will remind us in clear memory what you've done for us before, what seasons that you were there and what prayers have been answered. And I pray for people to really take action into that scenario today, that they will write their prayers down, that they will be reminded of your greatness. Lord, I pray that we will be obedient. We see Zechariah being obedient. We see how the obedience was rewarded. And I pray that for each and every person today. I pray that we will find people and surround us with people and that can lead us, that can help us, that can guide us. But at the end of the day, points not to other people, but to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for patience. If I pray for anything for 2024, I pray for two things. I pray, Matthew 6 verse 34, like Ryan speak about last week, that we will not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. It has his own worries. But also, Lord, I pray today that we will just come and be silent before you today. I pray that you will guide us. I pray that we will have patience in 2024. And that we will come and show the world that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with prayers being answered. So I pray for more testimonies in 2024. I pray for more healing. I pray for more life. I pray for more of your glorious hope. And Lord, I pray that more people will get to know you as their Lord and Savior. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.